So had you booked your flights to Paris yet? <laughs> Wonderfully, I'm so disorganised that I hadn't. Yes. That is one of the first things I thought. <laughs> that if I'd booked everything, so I know I'm going to be working. I think because there are still so many, although before the announcement today that we're going to talk about that, there were a few unknowns in terms of quarantining there and back. And I was just leaving it as late as possible. I just think in this day and age, just leave things. I've got friends who have booked holidays abroad in June, which is quite brave. July, still quite brave. August, maybe that's a little bit better. I'm still of the thinking of I'll just leave it as late as possible. So no, nothing was booked. So it's fine. How surprised were you at the announcement that happened today, which is Thursday, <laughs> that the French has moved a week? Well, I mean, it, it, I suppose it is surprising, but everything's fairly flexible at the moment. I was going to ask, because obviously you were leaving it late to book your arrange, yeah. to make your arrangements because things might change, whether it's quarantine, lots of things are up in the air. But did you think yeah. that the whole tournament might shift again? It did last year, so I suppose you shouldn't be that surprised. <laughs> I didn't think the whole thing was going to shift again because it was there was quite a lot that went on last year because they moved. I mean, fair play to them. They saw a window and they took it, but there wasn't discussion as there has been this time around because there was the statement from Wimbledon saying that the Grand Slam board has been spoken to and we're all in agreement that this should happen. I didn't think it would be moved because it feels like there's going to be it's going to be the calendar is going to become more and more normal as the year goes on so at that time of year there are things I can't see a big block I can't see how Indian Wells is going to move I know they've got wonderful weather the year round but it's still where do you find two clear weeks which is what they need because theirs is what a 10-day tournament to put in there let alone a grand slam so I didn't think it would be moved but when they said they'd move it back a week I didn't really know what kind of a difference that would make by a week but then the French thinking is that the beginning of June they want to start opening up sport yes so not to not just Roland Garros so and remember last year the big thing from Roland Garros and the French Tennis Federation was we do not want a behind closed doors event yes that that was a big thing wasn't it that mm -hmm. that was and initially and they didn't they, they didn't for the most, like, for I mean, the most part initially well they were going to have 12,000 weren't they initially and that was going <laughs> to be a lot changed a lot <laughs> flexible but it was we'll move it to september october we plan to have three sections twelve thousand people and we'll go from there it ended up being a thousand people that were split due to the situation but the big thing for roland garros was we do not want a behind closed doors event this is not what this event is about so i think by pushing it a week back they're hoping to have some kind of crowd at the tournament when i first heard that it was being pushed a week back i was sort of similar in terms of what sort of difference is that going to make really things are not great in france that's that's how it is when it comes to the covid numbers and yep. the vaccinations haven't really taken off in the way that um you know they have in other places and uh, yeah it's it's looking it's looking tough they're in a lockdown and it looks like it yeah it was possibly going to affect roland garros there was there were some, some people had written some articles saying there's a chance it might be cancelled, but I, I didn't really see that because we played through a lockdown last year and it was fine. And I just think that they would go to as, you know, as best they could, keeping people safe and healthy. They would go to any lengths, really, I think, to put on the tournament. It's such a huge event for them. 
So I didn't really buy into, like, it might be cancelled. I just thought, nah, it's probably going ahead. But there might not be anyone there. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from a few players knocking around. I'll be there. Yeah, (laughs) and Gigi, of course. But yeah, no, it definitely, I was a bit confused. But then when I read more about it and the plan from uh, the government that they are going to start opening things up mid-May was what I read. That's what you were saying, right? Mid-May. So it was like, okay, well, just give, give... Roland Garros an extra week and then hopefully they will kind of be into that if you were a player because it is quite a late call because the clay season started with this because Elise Cornet, I think on the tennis channel she was it was breaking news almost for Cornet, and she was immediately like oh this is terrible and they don't tell us and this is planning and it's all ah how much of a disruption if at all is this going to be we can talk about the knock-on effect for a handful of tournaments that are due to and might still fall they're discussing it in the what is now the second week of Roland Garros but as a player finding this news out today how much of a disruption would this have been to you if at all well I'm not sure how much because at first you feel like as a player you know every day is kind of scheduled down to the minute and they're so precise they're real control freaks are athletes and you would think wow this is the sort of reaction to Elise Corne that that she, well, that she had that oh my god what am I supposed to do now and you sort of feel a bit all out of sorts when you actually look at it players don't like to compete the week before a slam we found that out in Australia right it was very difficult for them uh, especially when things got delayed and we saw that in the states as well something like Naomi Osaka pulling out the week before a slam again and then winning the slam again so it is you know it we know that particularly the top players the the, the lower ranked players maybe 50 down don't have so much choice um, and are probably not expecting, although we do love it when they make uh, the second week of a slam, they're not expecting to make it the second week of a slam. I don't know. Maybe some of them are, you know, too good, but, <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, I think actually when it comes down to it, it doesn't make that big of a difference. It means that players won't be needing to play the week before. Um Yes, it's a shame. Really, do you know what? It's 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 a shame for the the real grass court players that want to peak for the grass. For example, they want that extra week that the grass court got that season. Got the three weeks between Roland Garros and and um, Wimbledon was huge, and I think it really revived the grass court season as a whole. It's still very 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 short when it comes to the very long season that is tennis in the I mean, year it's, it's and it, tiny isn't it yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> two weeks I mean, it's just... <laughs> now there's just two weeks again. but Wimbledon said it's not moving uh, so there will just be two weeks between Roland Garros and Wimbledon if you are in the second week now the vast majority of players yeah. are not and there's there's still talk as we're recording this that the tournaments that fall in now the second week I mean they could still go ahead right because as you say a number of people that would have been in them anyway could still be in them because they won't be in the second week it's not ideal and those tournaments that might get a huge name that has a shock defeat in the first week of Roland Garros thinks well I'm just going to go here to get some more grass no they're probably not going to get that person but they should still have enough people to have an event yeah it's like my Andy Roddick story turning up to Serbiton yes remember? yes yes <laughs> he used to love turning up played a bit of dubs until the uh, practice courts opened at Wimbledon and then off he popped <laughs> said that's enough of me thanks but then they'll still be able to have a tournament and, and I can see yeah. and we need tournaments big and small every size catering for every person but 
you you have to see why they would prioritize a grand slam because we talked about this last year this is where players are picking up large amounts of their money not alone points but in terms of if you can take part be in a grand slam draw the money you are making might keep you afloat especially if you can crack through the four in a year so you need to prioritize grand slams right yes uh, I, I think we do as much as the tours are incredible organizations and an incredible display of, of the sport and it, it they really create so many jobs the WTA and ATP I think they do an amazing job they really do hang off of I think the slams throughout the year and everything is a, around those grand slams like the grass court tournaments it's no surprise that the grass court tournaments are played before Wimbledon <laughs> that's just <laughs> apart from Newport which is it's lovely yeah, it's played yeah. post Wimbledon but um <laughs> But, you know, you you have seasons and those seasons reflect the slams, which are the major events. As much as we love Miami, we're going to talk about Miami, reflect on that as well. And, and so many of the other tournaments and some of the really small tournaments are so charming. Like, like I say, yeah. charming sounds really sort of a bit patronizing, really, doesn't it? But that's not what I mean. Like, I love some of the small events. I think they're fantastic. But I think for something like Nottingham, I don't know what the LTA are thinking when it comes to that event. <sighs> I don't know if an option is to decrease the size of it. Uh, when I say size, in terms of the points and the prize money, because they're just not going to be getting the same players that they would have been expecting. Uh, and maybe they just sort of drop it down to be a one two five k event or something. I, I'm not sure. Um, but those, yeah, I don't. I don't know where they're they're going to fall with it. I, I doubt they'll cancel it. It doesn't doesn't seem like they have to cancel it because Roland Garros is going. As I say, there are not many people operating in the second week of a slam. It's it is crazy to think about it that, and I know it was for so long, but the grass court season two weeks. I know it could be. I know, and now it just seems ridiculous. It, it just seems, but that's ridiculous. I, can we even? We can't call it a season, can we? I guess it is because it, it's on a different surface. But it's, and you can see why some players through their careers have just taken a hit when it comes to grass because they've just think, you know what? It's. I know there's a Grand Slam and it's a very prestigious one, but. It's just everything that maybe they need to adapt or to do or to change or to get comfortable with and they don't feel comfortable with just for those two weeks. And now they don't even have that little bit of extra breathing space. Literally, you finish on the clay and if you're going deep in the second week of Roland Garros and it's, it's the grass season and then it, it suddenly it's upon you and then it's finished. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. But I know it's it's a flash. It's a glorious green flash in the tennis landscape every year. I love that. I love that. A glorious green flash. I think <laughs> it's, but it, it's going to be interesting. And I guess for, for people like you and I working on it, I'll have to still see how it's possible to come back from Roland Garros with where we are with quarantining to then work at coming back into Queens and things. So there's lots of it's it's logistically it does change and complicate things for for players, people working in the sport. So I don't know how that will shake down because, again, we don't know where respective countries are going to be with COVID and vaccinations and whatever in a few weeks' time. So there's still a few. But but I get what you mean about, as athletes, every second is you know what you're doing. So suddenly someone says, by the way, it's a week later. And for moments, your world falls apart. You're like, how can I possibly, mm -hmm. how can I possibly do that a week later? Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, I know. And I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, well, I get an extra week after Rome. I quite, I thought at first, I thought, well, that's nice. I get a little bit of a breather. Yes. And we we should say that Madrid and, and Rome, as we speak, it's been quoted that they're not moving because they wondered if Rome might adjust a little bit. 
Sure. But it's it's come out, and from what I've it's heard, too, I I personally think it would just be too much to start reshuffling the whole schedule. Roland, honestly, I think Roland Garros moving back a week on its own is absolutely fine. Leave everything yeah. else where it is. It means that it'll, it, you know, there will be a slight knock-on effect for Wimbledon in terms of people won't be able to prepare as they would like for Wimbledon. But Wimbledon dealt with that for years, as you were saying. It's it's. It, it's fine. It, it's part of it. It's just for this year. They understand that that's how it is. Wimbledon's not going to move. They've, they're way too far into their planning to to entertain that sort of idea. And you know, and and that's it. It'd just be just be a week later. And yeah, I mean, it does have an effect on on us, I suppose, a little bit more. I mean, we don't have any sort of travel exemptions or anything like that. We're just uh, your old regular public, as it <laughs> as it were, <laughs> moving around the place. But I did think selfishly, I was like, well, do you know what? May was pretty busy uh, when, when it came to Madrid and Rome, and I'm, I'm doing Leon as well. So I was like, that is a busy <laughs> month, and to have a, a week off after Leon before Roland Garros starting, great. <laughs> But then I, I had the, the the other side of it. I went down to uh, my other half and in terms of what I've done in previous years, I said to him, so from childcare purposes, I'll have three weeks in Paris, Roland Garros, straight back for Queens, then to Eastbourne, then a couple of weeks of Wimbledon. And he just looked at me as if as if I was speaking a foreign language. And I said, yeah. and, and then there'll be a break after Wimbledon. He's like, he just went, okay. I, I don't think he took any of it in. I yeah. just, I, He's you know, just going to gloss over June. I think that's better. June's not going to be a fun month for anyone. It's a bit like an Elysee Corne. I was just sort of getting stuff out. I was just, I just heard the news and I was like, so it'll be this, 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 possibly this, this if it happens, and then that. <laughs> he was just stared open mouthed and went, all right then. And we've got the twins' birthday in June as well. So, ah. yes, um, not so convenient from a work point of view. There's a there's a little extra juggling that needs to be done around there. But uh, look, it's all it's all going to shake out. And just think this time last year, our diaries were empty. I know. Empty. Oh, the, the I memories. was convinced they'd be filling up. You were convinced there'd be nothing in our diaries ever again. Well, so... you still thought Roland Garros was going to happen in a few weeks. <laughs> it did. Happened in September. <laughs> I'll stand by that. In a few that. weeks. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So we've we've now got everyone sliding around on the clay, but we haven't spoken since the end of Miami, which saw one final that you could have got a lot of predictions for and one final that if you even tell me you even thought about predicting this final you're not going to be believed. Is that fair to say? I, I think I think so. And you know what? Quite nice for once that it was the other way round because normally yeah, yeah. the men's final has been predictable. At least one of them has been pretty predictable. And then if it is only <laughs> one of them that was predictable, the outcome was very predictable when it came to the final of a Masters. Uh, and whereas the women's, you sort of like, Shontex in the final of Roland Garros. This is amazing. This is great. What a breakout star. And then yeah. Kenin and, and Osaka and all these players when they first broke through. And uh, yeah, so for it to be like, okay, yeah, it is Barty against Andreescu. That was fairly expected. I know 
difficult because Barty's been away for so long and Andreescu's been away for so long. So that, of course, has made it just all the more special. But in sort of, you know, you know, they're both Grand Slam champions, as it were. And then for the guys to be a couple of youngsters going, hey, let's have a Masters title up for grabs. That was... Uh... Yeah, really bizarre that way around, but very cool. And and two just really nice guys that just, you know, afterwards Yannick Sinner said, he's my best friend on the tour. But I thought what was quite funny, and I don't think he meant it, was so for people who don't know, they probably do if they're listening to this pod, it was Hubert Hercatch that came through and won. James Blake, the tournament director, I thought it was a great, the, the tournament director does a little bit of, well done to both players, you're amazing. He, he, he turned to Yannick Sinner, runner-up first, and it was... Basically, you're amazing. I'm sure you're going to win this like millions of times. You're going to win millions of titles. You're just a legend. And then it was to Hubert Hercatch. Well done. Congratulations. Sort of in brackets. I'm not sure you'll be back here again. <laughs> it just, I'm sure he didn't yeah. mean it, but it was the kind of, I think we're, we're so carried away and probably rightly so with Yannick Sinner. I mean, is there anyone that doesn't sure. think he'll be number one? Is there anyone that doesn't think <laughs> this kid is going to win the biggest prize? Either? Probably not because no. mentally physically game wise the guidance he has the way he talks I mean this guy is a solid bet as any if he stays fit for reaching the top and staying there I don't know if that's a bold statement or not Hubert Hercatch fabulous player fulfilling his potential so good he won it would if you told me now do you think he's going to a grand slam I'd probably say no is he going to win? Yeah. Are you in the same camp, camp as James Blake then, no. thinking that he's just going to be Thomas Burke? And I don't want to be speaking for James Blake, but it was just, I remember was, uh, as we were listening, it was he was so effusive about Yannick Sinner. You know, Maybe he was just trying to make him feel better because he hadn't won the title, but it was kind of like, don't worry, fella, we're going to be doing this a lot more in your career. And then it was, Hubert, well done. What an amazing achievement, which it was. It just, It just felt a little bit like... I don't know. Maybe Hubert is not going to win thousands of these. Maybe he will. Maybe this is the door opening, career defining moment, and her catch mm. will. But you don't think he will? I no. Do you? No. Do you? Yeah. Do you? I I know. Do you know what I know? What you what you mean? And as I just mentioned there, it felt like he had sort of pegged him to be this sort of Thomas Burdick type, as in, well, then you've won a Masters. And I think Burdick won his Masters in Paris quite early on, didn't he, in his career? Yes, I might yeah, be making it up. But it wasn't no, late he in his career. Yeah. Uh, he went quite early on in his career. And then obviously after that, it was like, yeah, you're going to win a slam? No. <laughs> These guys are just that level better than you, right? And the, the, obviously there were a number of them uh, competing. And for Burdick, as much as he was just such a world-class player, he was just steadily in that rest of the pack, right? Um, and I can understand why people would put Hercatch in there because I think similarly to Burdick, he just sort of comes across as a bit too nice. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? I always talk about, you know, with... with Djokovic and even with Andy and 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 even I think very subtly very deep down with uh, with Roger a bit more obviously with Nadal they they do have a lunatic streak in them like an absolute <laughs> lunatic just just terrifies you right and you look at someone like a Hercatch like, you don't have that that's not in there is it you just want to give on, him a Hubie. cuddle it's just a, he's just know, a lovely chat did you know but, that... I, but then I do think that in the Masters I do think in through Miami it did feel a bit sort of like, okay, he's got a bit more about him than I thought, I guess. I think also he was on this wonderful run having won Delray Beach in that part of the world. Mm -hmm. He'd been living out there. The conditions-wise, he was 
maybe the only one not affected by these conditions throughout the course of the tournament. He was playing some amazing tennis as well. I think everything fell into place, not that it won't fall into place. I feel awful saying this because he's such... Like, IMG offered him a suite at the hotel to live in. He gave it to his coach, Craig Boynton, because he had his daughters with him to stay in. Nice. I mean, how nice yeah. is that? That's. I mean, it's not superstar behaviour, is it? It's, That's the thing. It's just so nice. It's. Oh, look, we've talked about this with Chilich. We've talked about this with Burdick. And look, Chilich is a US Open champion. But I, 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 look, if someone said to you now, you can put your house on Sinner or her catch to win multiple titles, Grand Slams and Masters, where's the house going? Well, Sinner, yeah. Yeah. So, sure. but it's but, but it's much more about like the attitude, though, isn't it? It's about him as a person, the way he talks. Yeah, I mean, all this sort of analogy people have been g- getting stuck into on uh, on Twitter about uh, potato peeling and being a chef in the kitchen, all that sort of thing, and him being just so so <laughs> far away from where he wants to be. Which is, you know, he want he's looking at Djokovic. He wants to be like him, and it's obviously possible because we had Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal. Three of them have managed it to be operating at that level. So it's clearly not just sort of a one-off prodigy situation. If three can do it in the same era, yeah, and, surely it's easy. And Ruby, Sinner was a champion skier at the age of eight. Eight. Mm. This kid was sort of representing Italy doing, and he said in the end, you know, the choice, it was easy in the end because skiing, you just sort of go downhill and that's it and you're on your own. But tennis, you have to figure things out and it's a game and you're continually improving. And just the way... Just the way his mind works, the way he says, and I, I don't believe he's just saying it when he says it's not about trophies at the moment, it's about progressing. And it's easy to say, yeah, easy to say that. But I, I genuinely believe that is the mindset of him and he's on a path and he knows where he's going and he's not in a hurry to get there and he will get... It's frightening. His his mentality is frightening. I mean, the game is fabulous, but for me, at his age, it's the mentality. Yeah, I, I... Couldn't agree with you more. So excited. I can't... I'm just really excited to see where he's at five years. And also very happy for her catch. I want to say that. Very, very, very happy because he's a lovely fella. And... Yeah. And, I mean, he's he's also one of the young generation coming through. But he's already 24. Isn't that amazing? Like, because he yeah. was part of the next gen at the beginning. Of course he was. So I kind of still he? consider him as a next gen. But but I, I was sort of surprised when I just double checked on my notes like oh he's 24 already like because you just think of him as so young but it does take that time unless you're sinner to sort of settle into it I mean he's got a fantastic game he's clearly a great character a very nice guy um and uh you're breaking all sorts of uh molds I suppose for Polish tennis as well because they don't have a huge amount of players to to get stuck into now with him and Shontek it's it's sort of like a a new era for Polish tennis, much like it sort of is for Canadian tennis as well. There are yeah. all there's, I mean, Russian tennis is that's more of a resurgence than anything because we've got, of course got the big, big Russians. But it is interesting these nations really pushing forward. And I think Miami, especially on the men's side, without all the headlines pre-tournament, who wasn't going to be there was a chance for someone who was there, a chance to look at the the younger players and how would they cope in the pressure and the heat and the humidity. What kind of expectations because Daniel Medvedev's 25 I'm still going to call that young but he's a top seed at yeah. a Masters for the first time how does how does Andre Rublev cope in in a situation under pressure I just found it a very interesting tournament for for those young guys to see what they can do because that's the future because the old guys are going to get even older and eventually stop playing yeah but I think isn't it interesting the mentality for like a Rublev or a Medvedev 
or a Sitsipas, for example. The Sitsipas maybe is slightly less so, but well, no, 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 that, that's unfair. I'm going to include Sitsipas in this as well. But that I think they were almost more comfortable when there was a Djokovic or a Nadal or a Federer standing in their way. And it's because I just think it just changes the expectation. And then if they beat beat them, they'll be beating them probably in like the semis or the final. Uh, And to come through that and then win the Masters title, it, it, I don't know. It just felt different, didn't it? Because they weren't there and it's been such a long time since they haven't been there. And I think that as much as we didn't really know what to make of it, I don't think the players really knew either because we saw them. I mean, Riblev was talking about how he struggled with the pressure. It's past two. It was, um, yeah, it was difficult for them. I think Medvedev sort of uh, did himself into the ground a little bit with his physical efforts <laughs> in his match, his matches, his hobbling around. But yeah, it was, it was very much an opportunity. Blanket. Yeah, it is. I think so. It, it's it's an obstacle, and actually, if yeah. you then clear the obstacles away and you say, "Go on," then they go, "Oh." Uh, Actually, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. It's, it's a very different mentality. But I thought it was interesting. They'll get the hang of it. Yeah, it, 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 no, I'm sure they will. <laughs> they get the hang of it. Um, Can you let them to... know that Naomi <laughs> says? Naomi says they'll be fine. You're going to be okay, and you're going to get the hang of it. Now you paid. You, I don't know your matches. Were you split between the men's and the women's? How were you? Yes. What, when you were covering, so you saw. I was following it and keeping an eye on it. And we've talked a lot, a lot about Ash Barty. Oh, we've talked a lot about Bianca Andreescu's fitness. And I think it was, I think it was you. Did you send me a message saying, yeah, it was you that told me Andreescu had had to retire from the final? Yes, I know. Um, pretty, it's devastating really, isn't it? To be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it, it really is. But I mean, she took a fall and it didn't, it was one of those falls on her ankle where it didn't look horrendous because her, <clears throat> sorry, because her foot did not entirely cave over, you know, when it sort of goes in a funny direction. But it went in a sort of direction, which is that was how I sprained my ankle quite badly. And it was just a certain movement. It was a, yeah, very similar to how she did it. And it doesn't look that bad, but actually it's really, really painful. Uh, and it, it swelled up and just needs a bit of rest and, and that sort of thing. But it is tough to play on. Um, but yeah, I think it was she was pretty heartbroken because these injuries just keep hanging around, even though this isn't necessarily a serious injury, she can get it sorted. But um, it's not its not like her to give up. It's just, it's not. I just think she could be six love, five love down, and I would not be surprised if she turned the match around. You know, she has that thing about her that she doesn't quit. She's turned so many matches around. I was looking up her record from being a set down. I think I was talking about this last time, wasn't I? I mean, it's phenomenal. She wins far more matches from a set down than she loses from a yeah, set down. It doesn't amazing. make any sense. Um so, yeah, very, um, very unfortunate to her, for her. But I have to say, I mean, Barty was just class. I mean, it's not that I had forgotten how great her game is. It's just that it was the first time since the resumption, I think, that it has been on display against a player of that level who was playing so, so well and that first set was just, oh, I mean, she was just manipulating the ball. And you could just see Andres, you couldn't get her teeth into it because she would get this nasty slice and it would be this and then ashes at the net and then Andrescu would get pulled forward and then she'd be passed. And she was just so, just not able to get the rhythm that she wanted. And it really just sort of reinforced uh, why Ash Barty is number one in the world. I still believe that Osaka is the best player in the world right now. I just, it's just the way that the rankings are that 
Ash Barty uh, remains as number one. But hey, who knows? Maybe if she'd come and played Roland Garros, she would have won it. I don't know. She didn't play. So, you know, maybe if she played US Open, she would have won it. We don't know that, do we? So um, it's easy to sort of, I suppose, move her down the pecking order because she's been away for so long. Um, But I will still stand by that. I think Osaka's the best player out there at the moment. But, I mean, Barty, possibly for, say, grass and clay... She could be sort of wow. just eating up those slams for for a while as Osaka and Andrescu battle out the hard courts. And a big thing for Barty was defending such a big title. She said that's the other thing people have got to remember that she was. I kept forgetting she was defending champion in Miami because it was so long ago, <laughs> and I had yeah. to keep I had to keep reminding. And the same with on the men's side of things, I had to go back and think. Wow. Okay, that was fair. Okay, Federer. Wow. So I, I, I kept forgetting that she was actually defending champion because I know we had all that talk about how Osaka could have got to number one. But I think that was a big thing for Barty. And I also think with Barty, look, this is her career. She loves it. But she's also, yeah, last year she made the decision not to travel, to stay in Australia, wait to see what happened. She's made a big commitment now to base herself away from home till the end of the season. And that is a long, long time for someone who's really a homebody. She loves nothing more than being at home. Maybe we all do, but there are some who like it, crave it more than others. And I think it's it's very much that she sat down with her team and thought, right, if we're going to do this, it's everything. You know, I'm not saying people come into these things half-hearted, but I think with Barty especially, it's a team effort. It's very much we, it's not I. She's made this big commitment not to go home. And I think she wants to she wants to make the most of it and just yeah, to see her game in full flow, as you said, was was awesome. And now to think of the, the clay and the grass and what do you think Osaka can achieve on the clay and the grass? No idea. Honestly, absolutely no idea. Um I think as as long as she can accept that she's got quite a lot of adjusting to make on those surfaces, then I think she'll be absolutely fine and she'll she'll fly um but i i think up until this point she's had a bit of a mental block on it you know people always talk about how her game's really suited to grass but she's just always said i don't like playing on grass how can it be well suited to grass i don't like it (laughs) but then ash barty didn't like clay and she won ronald garros so that's crazy there you go that's you know you just you just don't know but of course i mean osaka's got um, just what seems like a never-ending supply of potential on all surfaces so i would not be surprised if she just figured it out and was fine we need to talk about scoring now this first oh, yeah. came to light on social media. It was the overall that posted this video of a clay court tournament featuring Astra Sharma, who wasn't given the break of serve she deserved. The umpire calls the scorers 30-15 when it should have been love 40. And then in the words of the overall, and from then on, it's one big mess. And I've and I've watched the video. And, and I think the, the two things to come out of this, firstly, how an umpire can get it so wrong. But second, some of the grief that Sharma got for not keeping the score. I mean, I don't know. I've not been in this situation. You can tell me differently. You remember the score. You don't remember the score. I, I don't know how lost you can get. But she seemed to get, Astra Sherman, an awful lot of grief for not keeping check of the score. But you have an umpire, if you're in a match with an umpire, to keep the score, surely. I mean, where where, yeah. where do you sit in this? <laughs> oh, I totally feel for her. Because it's, it's not that you, she's not keeping the score. It's that she's not paying attention to the score being called out. Because, you know, you're walking to your towel, you're concentrating, you're thinking about the last point, you're thinking about the next point. You, you just, you just, you're not 
paying attention when they because it sort of just fades into the background i mean you know what it's like when you're commentating you just the, the umpire you just hear the 30 15 it just you can't be paying attention to every single time they call the score out to be sort of like what's the score are like because you know the score so it, it doesn't matter you know it's 30 15 you don't need to listen to them for 30 15 for reassurance so you just sort of ignore it um and i think she was just playing she thought that the score was carrying on from Love 40. It was Love 40, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and it was called 3015. Uh, and I think she lost the next point and then just thought it was 4015. And just car- she just carried on playing until it, it, it became apparent that the umpire had a different score. But then by that point, you're a few points later and it's very difficult to remember. You know, when you're a junior, um, if, you, if you're scoring the match yourselves and you get confused between you and your opponent... You, yourself and your opponent uh they'll say we'll go back to they ask you to talk through each point what happened on the first point second point i mean there is almost always one point that both players can't remember so as in if we've played five points in the game i can't remember the second point of the game and my opponent can't remember the fifth point of the game but then we don't know we don't like we don't know which one's telling the truth so you you do you very very often um you know get get confused i i I totally felt for her um yeah i I think she probably could have protested it more once she sort of realized what was going on but by that point there's nothing you can do about it like the scoreboard says it and you do you just start second guessing yourself i mean the same thing happened to me i was playing a junior tournament in the south of france in cap die and i was playing against um tamira pashek how old were you junior how old were you oh 16 okay 16 um it was in the final uh of this big big junior event and uh yeah it's playing Tamira and uh I think it was at a really crucial point in possibly the second set I think it was straight sets but um but yeah sort of like two all opportunities to break that sort of thing and yeah they got the score wrong the scoreboard uh, so the it was an electronic scoreboard um and the umpire just changed the scoreboard and did it wrong and then what had happened was is that the umpires second guessed themselves and then looked at the scoreboard and went then with the scoreboard and then I kicked up a fuss a couple points later again because I hadn't looked at the scoreboard and then I kicked up a couple a fuss saying no no I've just I've just broken her I've just won that game (gasps) no and then um and then they said no you haven't and I was looking at my team who didn't really give me a lot they kind of looked at me (laughs) like confused themselves because I was looking for them to be like yeah you won the game and then I go okay fine and then I could dig my heels in but I didn't get a huge amount from that and uh but I did have a long conversation with the umpire and I got a little bit upset about it because I was like I know I I can tell you all of the points I know what's happened and anyway we just carried on uh, and I ended up losing the match, not because of that, but, you know, it's just part of the match. Um, but then afterwards, with the, with the award ceremony, <laughs> all of the organisers had seen it as well. But, like, they're not going to jump in unless I demand for somebody to come in. And even then, the chances of them overruling the umpire are very, very slim. Uh, like, I, I don't think they would do that. And, <laughs> yeah, and then afterwards, they all sort of spoke to me and told me that I was right. And then... <laughs> That's even worse. And, uh, That's almost even and my, worse. And my coach went nuts at me for not sorting out on the court. But I was like, I did I wasn't sure. I didn't know. And then um, and then they awarded me with the sportsmanship award. So, <laughs> so that was nice. <laughs> and I, because apparently I dealt with it really nicely, but I didn't really deal with it. I was just like, Oh, okay. Is that then. is that because of your age or if 
if you'd looked or were you quite a stroppy 16 year old or if you'd looked at your camp and they'd given you a bit more like go on girl you'd have got stuck in more or a combination of the two I think so yeah I mean I never really liked to have a go at umpires I always felt like you know they're doing a job and the people are going to make mistakes and it's it's fine but um as I say I didn't really get the reassurance from from my camp but it's one of those things that it then like plays on your mind you're thinking about it in the next game and the next game you're thinking I'm sure I was right I'm sure I was right and you don't have that closure so did it therefore have an effect on the way the outcome of the match if you were still kind of thinking about it how could it not have had an effect on the rest of the match I only when I look at it in hindsight I played Pashek a number of times I was not going to beat her so <laughs> I played, I think starting from a good positive place it was the first time I played Pashek uh, and I played I remember I played at the US Open juniors as well we had an awesome yeah. match it was like four and a third but that was like me playing my absolute best tennis so yeah. and we were on clay and I didn't like clay so like yeah it was just a I really don't think it had any bearing on on the result of the match, but it was just a bit of a shame because it, it just really changed the momentum of the match. Loads of people were watching. There was, yeah, loads of people there to watch the final and stuff. But, um, but do you know what? My very favourite trophy that I've ever won is that sportsmanship trophy. And it's not because it's sportsmanship because that... Is it? Uh, no, because sportsmanship is pointless and useless and I'm not interested at all. And I, they gave it to me and I was like, are you kidding? But... Uh, it's the nicest trophy, the actual physical thing. As in looking. Yeah, it's the, the most beautiful thing. trophy that I, I have. So I love you it. You still got it? Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, it's great. It looks amazing. But you just don't want to read it because it says like sportsmanship on it. So I need to scratch that bit off. So then if, if, if your winner clips the top of the net, you don't apologise? What do you mean? You know, the ball hits, clips the net and you and you win the point. And then there's the apology. Oh, sorry, I got a bit of luck there. No, I apologise. I yeah. thought you wouldn't do that if you don't agree with like, sport. That's being good sportsman, apologising. Yeah, no, 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 it's fine to be a good sportsman, <laughs> but a sportsmanship award, I mean, come on. I what, you're quite... telling me that I played by the rules. Well done. Like... Yeah, but, but, but not everyone does. And it just well... means that you were kind of a little bit above the rest. Is it not? Mm. No? No. No, they had no. to give the award to someone. It was finals day. There weren't many people around. <laughs> So it came to me, but it's a really nice trophy. So it's really, it was so much nicer than Tamira's trophy she got for winning. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was chuffed with it. Maybe they swapped them round because they felt bad for you because you should have had that game. Maybe it was actually <laughs> the maybe it's actually the winners' trophy. They just got the plaques and they pulled them off and switched it and stuck it on the other one. Maybe. So maybe, maybe that is great. I'll show the it to you sometime. Trophy. It's a really beautiful. It's this lovely glass bowl, uh, and instead of like a fruit bowl, but instead of having fruit in it. It's got tennis balls, glass tennis balls in it. It's what? very cool. Oh, can you take the glass tennis balls out or are they kind of welded well, in? Since, well, they were all attached, but since a few knocks and stuff, one is loose. You can take it out and throw it around if You've you want. You've got a loose ball. But it is glass. Oh, I see. That sounds quite nice. Ball. And it stops you filling it up with fruit because it's got its own balls in it. But I thought, no, I poor old ass. She did say, I was told... He wasn't sure of the score, but since I couldn't tell him how I won the points, I couldn't delay the match arguing with him. And then this is her word. She said that a supervisor said she should learn her lesson and focus more on the score instead of her tennis. Which Well, that's nonsense. I'm sorry, but whoever said that is that's not that's not fair. I think what she's saying is is fair. That that is the thing, is you have to be able to prove it. 
And if if the yeah. umpire say, and you're good to the, good for, on the umpire for actually telling the truth and saying that they weren't sure as well, they'd got a bit confused because it happens, right? Everybody's human. It's it's not a problem. But you then need to be able to to remind them of what has happened and say, don't you remember that mark over there? That's where I hit the backhand, yeah, exactly. and then I hit it over here, and she hit it in that net, and then it was love forty. And honestly, sometimes they'll go. Yeah, I do. I do remember that. Or your opponent might say, "Oh, yes," because if you disagree with somebody over the score when you're scoring yourself, they'll say, "Oh, okay, yeah, I remember that," and it's fine. But if you can't do that, they just go, "Well, you can't. You, you can't just tell me the score's wrong, but then not tell me." You, do you know what I mean? You have to be able to back it up. So yeah, it's like if you go to court, you've got to state your case. They're going to say, "So what's your case to prove this did happen or didn't happen?" You've got to state exactly. And if you can't say, so "I'm not quite sure," then it's yeah. Well, that that caused a little bit of a stir on social media do you by the way do you want do you want some chocolate do you like chocolate i don't even know do you eat chocolate? definitely I'm biggest chocoholic you'll find are you yeah i don't think i ever knew that because i've got a lot of chocolate i've got excellent i had I'll the pre around. i had the pre-easter they haven't got enough chocolate so i just kept buying it forgetting i'd bought it and then had a lot of it and then the easter bunny is still a thing like he's mm. he's real so I had to wait up till about 11 o'clock because they kept looking out the window to go out in the garden in kind of minus one degrees or whatever this ridiculous weather is we're experiencing to hide eggs all around the garden. Which then six o'clock in the morning, the kids are trying to go outside to get the eggs. So nice. we've got this whole feast. And then the school laid on an Easter egg hunt. Which is re- a really nice thing to do. You know, you walk the streets and there's letters in windows. Death by chocolate. But very early on, I realised that the Easter egg hunt round where we live might take a good two hours. Two oh, hours. Wow. Two hours. It's over the whole of Windsor. Two hours. It's pretty much in not the warmest conditions. Take dragging two children around who after the first two letters kind of over it. And you go, oh, mummy, there's a, there's an E. And I'm like, oh, there's an E. Mummy, there's an A. And then they're like, they're done. They're done. So luckily, early on, one of the mothers told me what the phrase was because you had to put together a phrase. And then you hand your thing in at the end. So luckily, one of the mothers told me very early on what the phrase was. So I was like, I've got that in my back pocket. And then I'd say about ooh, eight letters in, the bosses, uh, bosses, they are actually, uh, the boys were like, <laughs> can we go home? Bored yet? Can we can we miss out these? Can we? So luckily, because I knew the word, I did a little negotiating and maybe we completed half of it, but just happened to know what the phrase was in the end. Because the, oh. the phrase meant chocolate because you filled it in outside the last door. There's a little box of chocolate. He had more chocolate, more chocolate. So we got more chocolate. We sort of sidestepped half the, I mean, two hours with two children when it's about six degrees. I think that's, that's quite a lot, isn't it? So now yeah. we've got a kitchen full of chocolate. I'm trying to re-gift it. Great. Um, Send it over this way. So you want some chocolate? Definitely. Am I gonna when am I gonna be seeing you for Mon- in in Monte Carlo? For Monte Carlo? For Monte Carlo, yes. So Monte I can Carlo start soon. So we're both working on Monte Carlo? Yeah. So I can re-gift you. I've got some baby Yay. I've got some baby weaning books and some chocolate. Does that <gasps> sound does that sound perfect? Uh, that sounds perfect. That sounds yes. perfect. I mean, we haven't Absolutely. talked about the tennis, but we're going to talk about the tennis. And, <laughs> and I will have me, I have with me a baby weaning book. Perfect. And some chocolate. Perfect. Sounds like a date. I can't wait for Monte Carlo. Oh my God, I'll see you next week. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Bye.